0: Welcome to We Hear Her. I am Erin Trenbeth-Murray. And I am Jennifer Bean. We're here today with another amazing woman who's sharing her story and insights to lessons learned. Hi there, I'm Erin Trenbeth-Murray, and thank you for joining us for the We Hear Her podcast with Women Who Succeed. I am thrilled today to have Becky Edwards join us, who I have known for a long time, and have enjoyed watching her political career over the years, enjoyed watching her personal engagement with her family, and it's fun to reconnect with her today. I'd like to start by telling you a little bit about Becky. Becky began her career as a social worker and counselor, where she worked closely with Utahns to strengthen families and address personal challenges. In an effort to expand her service and advocacy for Utah families, Becky ran for the Utah House of Representatives in 2008. As a Republican legislator for 10 years, I don't know how you did it, but thank you. (laughs) She championed common sense, conservative solutions to the challenges facing Utah families. She worked to expand affordable housing options, improve Utah schools, and support clean energy opportunities across the state. Each Saturday during the legislative session, so impressive, Becky would invite her constituents and neighbors over to her house To have bagels and briefings where they could share their concerns their thoughts ask questions and learn about the very real struggles and opportunities in their lives becky earned wide respect in the legislature from both sides of the aisle she was known as a problem solver and received top ranks for her effectiveness at passing bills well respected by all she works with tenacity and compassion on challenging issues like health care clean air and climate change, the economy and education. Becky is a proud 26 year resident of Davis County and Northern Utah. She is married to John Edwards and has four children and 11 grandchildren. She recently served in Samoa with her husband on a humanitarian mission for the Church of Jesus Christ as Latter-day Saints from May of 2019 to January of 2021. Wow, that's a lot. (laughs) You had a lot it makes, going on.
1: It seems like a like a long life. Yeah. Uh, it's been great. So many good memories as you're yeah. as you're reading through there, and I think, yeah, a that's full life. Full life. Lots of great opportunities to connect with awesome people in in the community, the places where I grew up, where I've lived, mm-hmm. where I raised my kids, and then now in the pub, public sphere. It's been a real reminder of the connectivity of all of us and the sense Mm -hmm. of community, I think that is incredibly important.
0: For sure, and the support system, Mm -hmm. and Utah's small, big but small in so many ways. And being in the House of Representatives and um, just representing your your constituency and one of the few female uh, leaders in our state for, for quite a while, what was that like for you?
1: You know, it was was a really great opportunity to sometimes be a voice in a committee or something like that where where you'd say something that seemed so obvious to, you know, <laughs> myself or other women that uh-huh. you, I might have spoken with about this issue and colleagues saying, oh, I'd never thought of it that way before. And I, it was just such a great reminder of like every voice matters and everyone's personal experience really adds to an understanding of an issue whether that is on you know education or like housing I remember this this woman who came and spoke at a press conference we had when we were talking about affordable housing and she was a woman who was a young like 21 year old single mom of like a one or two year old and mm-hmm. she also had her father living with them so she was one of these sandwich generations her father was on disability and she spoke about her real challenges trying to work two jobs take care of both her father and her mm. small child and how important having sustainable affordable housing was in yeah. her life yeah. and it was like the light bulb you could just start to see that go off on for all of my colleagues. And again and again, the power of individual voices is unbeatable. There's nothing, nothing that compares.
0: Well, I think you, one of the things that you just said that really struck me um, is the diverse perspective. Mm-hmm. How critical the diverse perspective is in age, or gender, or race, or ethnicity, um, at how you look at issues, either in your business or in the political arena and how I can tell I've watched you, how much you value that.
1: Well, I really think you know one of the it's so important and I think about my experience, my first four years serving in the House, I had, of course, this you know 75 or 80 percent of my district was Davis County and these were folks that I had lived with and been in that community for, for decades at that point. And there was a portion of Rose Park neighborhood. That had been um, districted into davis county this Mm -hmm. house district and so the for the first four years those were my people too and i remember going to the very first community council meeting in northwest quadrant of Mm -hmm. rose park and sitting down and people saying who who are you why are you here and Mm i said you know i'm your elected representative in the house and there was some suspicion at first because they're like, we haven't ever had anybody because mm. they'd been in part of Davis County for at that point at least six years and mm. had not been uh, part of any conversations. Mm. But it didn't take very long before month after month when I'm going to these community council meetings. Uh, didn't take long before my husband and I are you know dishing up snow cones at the community fair, <laughs> and I'm running legislation for them, right. and that. That was something that opened up my eyes to those issues, opened up my colleagues' eyes when they, you know, I had people say, well, why are you running that bill for those people? That's a Democrat bill. (laughs) And I said, no, 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 that's a District 20 bill. Mm -hmm. Those are my constituents. And I'm going to run this bill. I'm going to work my tail off to make sure that their voices are heard and we'll get this passed. And we did. But their, their voices hadn't been heard in that, in that setting for a long time, and it was time that, uh, that they were.
0: It was time. Well, speaking of time, you have an exciting future ahead of you. Tell us all what you're doing right now, and, and what, what do you see in your crystal ball?
1: Yeah, well, I'm running for the United States Senate right now. Mm-hmm. Like so many people who are probably uh, in Utah and beyond, people across the nation, we've all seen the political dialogue become more divided and divisive and thinking, man, this does not reflect the kind of thing we expect in Utah and the way we, we approach problem solving. We can do better. And so, like I did when I ran for the Utah House for the first time in 2008, finally got to the point where I thought, someone needs to make a change here. We need to see something better, and I decided to throw my hat in the ring. So we've been in the race uh, about 11 months now since I had my formal announcement. We've continued to be the leading Republican challenger against the incumbent, Senator Mike Lee, and across the state as we've been around campaigning, people are Joining the the race in throngs because they're so excited to have an option. You know, this is a six year term, and and there was no Republican opponent against Senator Lee in 2016, and uh, people are really looking forward to having an opportunity to have a more productive, proactive, and inclusive voice in the United States Senate representing our, our state. So. Things are going well, we're uh, forging ahead, we're at this point uh, seven weeks, seven or eight weeks out from the Republican primary, and working hard and feeling incredibly optimistic and confident.
0: Well, I love your optimism, you're always like that. When you're speaking about going around the state, and you and I were talking before we the podcast began, and you shared that when you go to rural towns, you're going all over the state, and, and you hear folks um, speak of your dad, Dr. Price. Yeah. Tell me about what you think. What is that? What do you think that's like for your parents to say, "My daughter is running for the U.S. Senate." You know,
1: I my parents went through um, all five of my elections when I served in the Utah House, were some of my most ardent supporters. Um, my Parents both made calls for me. They you know, they canvassed for me. My husband's mm-hmm. parents did too. And it's very much a multi-generational thing. When I ran the first time, I had a granddaughter who was only 18 months old but could somehow say, go Becky. So <laughs> we'd be out canvassing. She's in a stroller, and she'd throw her arms up. Go Becky! And then and, you'd hand her a Cheerio. Yeah, exa- <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but I know my parents... Um, feel and my dad would have felt um so so proud. I have a sister that ran for the Bountiful oh. City Council last year in, in uh 2021 and, and won that race and they were just as excited about that as they mm. were about the Senate race or the times that we were involved in anything as we grew up. I think my parents always helped us feel like possibilities were endless in in our lives and that our voices that we'd be in position maybe to have our voices heard and because of that we always needed to be very cognizant of the responsibility that came with that to make sure that we represented all the voices who were not at the table mm-hmm. and this sense of um, community and responsibility to being in leadership positions was a big part of our, our growing up. I have, I have three sisters so we're four girls in this family and uh, that was an important message.
0: You're kind of perfectly going down a path because I really was curious about what you think the top couple of values are that you learned from your parents that you're now carrying forward in your life.
1: Uh, Yeah, well I think uh, one of those is this sense of responsibility to make make things better to leave things better than you you found them. And I think I learned that from my my dad, who in his early years uh, was part of the small team with President Johnson okay. in 1964 and five, who created the curriculum, wrote the curriculum, and then went on buses from, uh, he was a PhD student at the University of Minnesota at this point, and left uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul on a bus repeatedly, the summer of 1965, to go to Mississippi and enroll uh, little children in this new program they had that was going to provide, you know, some uh, opportunity for kids who who didn't have this before, opportunity to learn a few things, mm-hmm. hit kindergarten ready to learn, called it Head Start. Yep. Very and familiar with yeah, it. Yeah, I know you are. <laughs> and that that sense of of being part of something big that would make a difference and turn the tide for people, uh, that was something that was always a huge part of, of my family. And and I've seen this in my sisters, I've seen this in my parents uh, in their in their adult lives and in their growing up as well. I think it goes back generations really and I feel really blessed to have that part of my legacy and to see the efforts um, that are so many good things in our state that bring those kind of uh, equal opportunities to people, abundance, abundance mm-hmm. of opportunities mm-hmm. to people across our state, mm-hmm. young people especially. Um, it, I'm inspired by so many good things happening.
0: I see um, your family everywhere. When I've seen you, I saw you at in Laird Park mm-hmm. um, a few weeks ago. and. Um, Tell me a little bit about your relationship with your grandchildren and maybe in particular your daughters or granddaughters.
1: Well, it's, it's kind of fun because they don't, of course, they don't know all the policy things. All they know is that their grandma's doing something <laughs> kind of brave and maybe a little mm-hmm. scary. Mm-hmm. And we were on the, on the stage of the state Republican convention on Saturday. And, you know, we talked about this before we went out. And I said, I'm going to give a speech. And then you're going to be on the stage with me because you're an important part of of my support team. You are my support team. You're my family. And then we're going to walk across the stage and we're going to, you know, head to the back where our booth is. And I said, there might be some people saying some things that might not mm. be nice. Don't you worry about that. And my 5-year-old granddaughter who has her own little mini desk up in my office and and she does her work on the campaign you know so she she's been on the campaign since the very beginning making little posters Aww. and things and she said grandma it doesn't matter what other people say we know you're the best and to then see you know i have two granddaughters that are old enough to know what it means when someone uh says things or Mm -hmm. whatever Mm -hmm. Um, and they had their own take on this that this is something that helps them feel brave yeah you know so it's it's very um, tender to see those lessons kind of be passed on there. Grandma's a rock star. Um, (laughs) I I don't know about that but I know that it matters having someone close to you who does something um, that feels brave matters and it opens up doors. I know when I ran the first time in 2008, my youngest daughter was in eighth grade and so many of her friends Mm. helped campaign that year. And they were out knocking on doors, placing lawn signs. I mean, like the real work, they were just barely old enough to be useful. And every (laughs) single one of those girls, it like was a mind shift for them to think, oh, this is a regular person. This is our friend's mom who drives carpool, who's, you know, making our costumes for the school play, who's doing just regular things and now also running for the state legislature. That's a regular thing, too, that we could do, too. And I think that breaking down the barriers of um, expectations of what it means to be a leader, I think, is is a a real legacy that service has provided.
0: What do you think we can do as a community going back to the value of diverse perspectives? I believe we only have 11 women in our legislature right now. What can we do to help encourage more young women to step up and look at serving their community in that type of capacity, whether it's city council, community council, school community council, you know, PTA, legislature. How can? What advice would you give to women to step into those roles?
1: I think honestly, it, it starts with just acknowledging that every chapter of your life is valuable and means something, and that the every every voice is um, is important and adds to a broader understanding. So, a, a stay-at-home mom like I was for many years that perspective is so important working as a social worker in an emergency room and as a marriage and family therapist that added perspective to my life every single chapter i think for me personally added to a real appreciation respect and love for the people across the state Mm -hmm. and i think many times women especially think They have to check off boxes like, well, I have to have been in the workplace this number of years, Mm. or I have to have this in my background or this or this in order for my voice to matter or to be valid. And it's just not true. I've seen so many young people, you know, girls lobby. This is a group of, you know, that identifies high school girls and women, young women that can make their voices heard on different issues or... Uh, Girl Scouts or other groups that empower the voice of mm-hmm. young women to the point where it's just, of course, of course my voice yeah, yeah. matters. Yeah. And I've seen those, those young women. In fact, in um, 2018, we passed a piece of legislation that placed a new statue representing Utah in the U.S. Uh, Statuary Hall up at the Capitol in D.C., and it was a statue of a woman, uh, who happened to be the very first woman ever elected to a state leg- to a state senate. Her name was Martha Hughes Cannon. Yep. And there was a group of um, Girl Scouts; they were eight to ten years old. And their scout leader came to me and said, "You know, they were constituents. We'd like a tour of the Capitol, and maybe is there some issue that you're working on? We could maybe get involved with." And I said, "Yeah, actually, there is an issue. Maybe you guys could help with this." we're trying to get this statue replacing our current statue with with this woman's statue. Is one of our two representing the state. Well, they took that seriously. They wrote notes, they drew pictures, they did research. I mean, they did, they called out legislators outside the gallery and talked to them. So when that bill finally passed and passed in the House, Mm -hmm. off the House floor, and they're in the gallery and they're holding each other's hands, waiting for the vote to come down, and they started clapping and cheering, and it was personal for them. And they, we talked afterwards, and they said, we did it. We did it. And I thought, you are so right. That word is chosen accurately. We did it. And those little girls now are 12, 13 years old, and you know what they're doing? Some of them are working on my campaign. Some of them are helping out in other ways in their community, and when they get old enough, It will not be something that someone has to, like, give them permission to have their voices be heard. It will just be a natural part of something they have heard since they were little. Your voice matters. Be part of the conversation. And for all of us who have a seat at any kind of table where decisions are being made, discussions are happening, let's always make sure that we are having one hand firmly behind us, Grasping on to other w- women and people who are not usually at the table to make sure that their voices are
0: heard. Oh my gosh, you've given me goosebumps. So exciting. I mean, those, it will be the, ne- it'll be just the expectation, it will be the norm. Mm-hmm. And how invigorating that must be for you to know that you helped. Um, in that motion for that to happen it's like the starfish stories right like one at a time like that handful of girls will never forget that experience and we'll take that forward well i cannot thank you enough for being here today i'd love to find out if you have any final words of advice or thoughts on the community before we close out our podcast but you have just been so inspirational for me today i'm very grateful well Honestly, the,
1: the message I would leave is one of empowerment for people who are listening. That regardless of your age, your life circumstance, your background, that your what you're experiencing in life gives you a unique perspective. And I hope that people feel like that matters because it does. And to find an issue or an area that you have an interest in and find a way to Get involved in any small way because it'll make a difference. One way that's coming up here soon is the primary election for this United States Senate race. A lot of folks are, you know, get kind of geared up for elections in the fall. And we all know November's the the election, the general election. But long before we get to that general election in November, we have primaries on the Republican side here okay. in Utah that will most likely be the effective um, election. Because of our political makeup here in the state, we know that that Republican primary really matters. So for people who want to have their voice heard, I give you an opportunity and a tiny challenge to check out vote.utah.gov. Make sure you're registered to vote. We have a lot of new folks in this state who may not have updated their voter registration since they moved. Vote.utah.gov. Make sure that you're registered to vote. And if you're not affiliated right now with the Republican Party and you're an unaffiliated voter, you can you can affiliate as a Republican. Make yourself, um, you know, savvy about the issues. Look into the candidates. We sure hope that you would look into our candidacy here, becky and that you'd give us a look. But we would love to include anyone who wants to get involved in any way um, and we'll we'll put you to work. We'll help you uh, find your voice and your place in the political and community world here in Utah because I am deeply committed to ensuring that all voices are heard. Mm-hmm. This campaign is, is a great entry point for that, and we'd love to have you on Team Becky.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Becky. Thank you for your service to our state to this point. Thank you for your service um, in your community and with your friends and neighbors. We're very grateful for the time that you've been able to give, that your family has generously also sacrificed for you to participate. And I love the last words of advice to go and vote, get registered and exercise uh, the democratic process. So with that, I would like to say thank you for joining us today for the We Hear Her podcast and Women Who Succeed and we will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for taking time to hear her. Join our efforts and learn more at womenwhosucceed.org. A big thank you to our sponsor, the Clark and Christine Ivory Foundation.